Hello, welcome to the Victory Podcast. I'm your host, Monique Watson. This is a special series on COVID-19. If you're listening to this, you're probably aware that we're in the midst of a global pandemic. And I wanted to use my professional experience as a public health professional with a master's in public health to engage with other health professionals, both in the arenas of medicine and public health, to talk about this global pandemic talking about its impact, the vaccine, what we all can do to keep each other safe. On this episode, I sat down with Dr. Edward Trepido. He is the Professor and Associate Dean of Research at the Louisiana State University School of Public Health, which is my alma mater. Um, And he's also Deputy Director for Population Science at the Stanley S. Scott Cancer Center. On this episode, he we talked about um, what some of the research around COVID-19 is telling us, some of the lessons learned. Dr. Trepido also gives his thoughts on the country as well as state of Louisiana's handling the response um, and also some thoughts around the vaccine. Let's listen in. So welcome to the Victory Podcast. I'm your host, Monique Watson. And I have the distinct pleasure to have with me Dr. Edward Trepido. He is the um, one of the deans of the LSU Health Science Center School of Public Health in New Orleans. Um, he has a great long history that he's going to tell us about in his professional career. And uh, thank you, Dr. Trepido, for coming on the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. It's nice to be with you. This is... Uh very important time in uh, our country. And I will say that in public health, there's never been a more important issue. Actually, people know what public health is for the first time, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I've, that's what I've been saying to uh, my friends um, and colleagues, that it's as much as a devastation that this pandemic of COVID-19 has been, it is sort of have this silver lining of science and public health and how vaccines work and sort of people really grasping on um, to that. So yeah, maybe you can tell our listeners um, a little bit about yourself, sort of how we know each other. I know we're sort of just meeting essentially, but and your professional background. Okay. So I'm an epidemiologist by training. I uh, got my, I, I went to three undergrad, no, I've been to three universities. I started at Stony Brook in New York and then went to the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill and got a master's of science in public health. And that was actually in infectious diseases. Then I did some work for a while to break and then went to Harvard and got a doctorate in epidemiology. And my focus was primarily cancer. Um, Over the course of time, I've done cancer in a variety of other areas. I also spent a fair amount of time at the National Cancer Institute, which is part of the National Institutes of Health. And so that's the umbrella institution that includes the the institute that Tony Fauci's at, which is the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. So I was at the National Cancer Institute. In fact, I used to see him in the elevator all the time. And um, I've met him a few times. I invited him as a guest speaker. Um, He's he's, he's pretty impressive. And I do remember the very first time I met him was during the um, early years of the HIV epidemic. 
I was actually working at the University of Miami at the time. And because Miami was an epicenter for um, some of the early HIV work, as was San Francisco and New York and Los Angeles, we were doing a lot of innovative trials. And he came down to work with um, or to advise some of the people there on what what the NIH was doing and how that related to what we were doing. So I, I, I know him. I wouldn't say he knows me, but he probably <laughs> recognized me. Uh, but anyway, um, uh, so I've been, I've been doing um, infectious and chronic disease epidemiology, particularly cancer. But I've also done things with tobacco and screening and um, HIV, substance abuse. Um, so I've done a, a pretty broad area. Yeah. And uh, we know each other um, primarily from now. And also, I know you've been trained in this, at school and that you have a degree in public health. And um, that's really exciting because um, this is what it's all about. It's For years, people had no idea what an epidemiologist is. And now that's a common phrase, too. What public health can do that medicine can't is public health can impact a whole population. So when we say, put on your masks, stay six feet away from people, and wash your hands, those are public health measures that can have a huge impact, much more than treating one by one each patient. Both of them are very important, and we need both. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So as you mentioned, you've, you literally, I can't think of a public health topic that sounds like you haven't touched in some way in the world of research. So maybe with that sort of hat on, um, what are some of the things as you're reading, um, reading the research, maybe you've talked with some of your fellow researchers and colleagues. um, What is some of the research telling us? I know early on in talking with some of my other um, guests who were kind of in the early days of the COVID response where there was not a lot of research done. There's not a lot that we knew kind of at the beginning in the February, March, April timeframe. Um, so what is some of the research telling us now? What are some of the things people can do um, to keep, to keep themselves safe and their loved ones safe? Well, the most important thing besides what I've already mentioned, which are the, the public health approaches of um, avoiding crowds of wearing masks, of washing your hands constantly and not touching your face, um, and um, keeping distance from other people. So those are the big public health measures. And for a while, we didn't know about whether the masking, for example, was scientifically valid. Originally, you may recall, there was this whole thing of masks... Um, don't protect you, they protect other people from what you're breathing out. Turns out that that's not true, that masks protect both ways. And so that's, that was a later finding. And we now know that as long as the mask is, is fairly thick or tight, a tight weave, it will protect you. Um, and so we didn't know that for a while. Now, the truth is this idea of six feet for 15 minutes is probably um, not, I mean, the science has moved away from that. So 
There's a recent study, for example, that showed a, a guest who came into a restaurant and somebody and their guest was positive for COVID and somebody sitting 20 feet away for five minutes became infected from this person. And they know that because they can test it genetically, that it was the same exact genetic sequence. So we know that six feet and 15 minutes is a good guideline. It's not realistic for people to try to stay 20 feet away from everybody else. But it, it, um, the truth is that the less you have to do with crowds, the better you are. And I don't mean even crowds of 50 people. I mean, you know, having, we're going into the holidays, having 20 people in your family coming over for a meal, that's not a good idea unless everybody's, if you're outside, it's better if people are wearing masks, but you can't wear a mask when you're eating. Right. And um, trying to keep some distance, using small tables where people are separated. So even that kind of crowd can be involved with the spread. So, so there's a lot we're still learning about that. The next area, of course, is with the vaccine. And we're all very excited about that. We think um, ultimately that's going to make a difference. But only if people take the vaccine. Only if people take advantage of the vaccine. And I know that there are people who don't want to get the vaccine for a variety of reasons. But the fact is, that's your best chance about getting life back to normal. And right now we know, so there, there's one that's already out there, the Pfizer vaccine. And that one is approved for anyone 16 years or older. We don't know what the impact is on kids, and we don't know the impact on pregnant women because that the, the trials were not done on pregnant women, and they didn't include kids. The Moderna, which is coming, um, and I guess we'll probably, the FDA approved it. The next thing is the CDC director has to approve it. So maybe by next week, those will become available. That one is ages 18 and up. And also, we don't know about pregnant women or kids. But what we do know is that the Moderna um, doesn't have to be kept so cold. So it's easier for places to give. Right. So the Pfizer one, people have to go into a medical establishment. The Moderna one ought to be able to be brought out into the community. And that will make a difference. But I would strongly recommend everyone regardless of how healthy they are, regardless of um, whether they've already had the virus, uh, to go and get the vaccine when they're able to and make sure you get the second dose. So that's where the the research um, has been focused. We're still trying to figure out a lot of things about this, um, but the speed of research has just been amazing for this one. And we're, we're... Although they faulted China, the administration faulted China for a lot. Um, China, it was the Chinese scientists who gave us the genome sequence for the COVID virus. So it gave us the basic blueprint of this virus, which is what was used to create the vaccines. And so that's amazing. In spite of 
all the horror of this epidemic and the unfair burdens that it's caused and the, the toll that it still is having on healthcare providers and the population. We've learned a lot and we've learned both what to do and what not to do. You know, there's kind of good news and bad news in this. You know? For sure. So you talked a bit about this administration that kind of leads into some of the other um, topics. <clears throat> so how do you, if you had to, let's say, because you're, you're a dean, so you're at a school, let's give a great response to the um, both the country as a whole, like so how this administration, um, in your opinion, um, has responded to the virus. Maybe we can say, look at it in two phases, early phase on and, and even today. Um, and then maybe the same for your state where you're currently residing in Louisiana, maybe your thoughts there. Okay. If they're the same, different on a grade level, A being absolutely, you know, an A or an F or somewhere in between incomplete. What are your okay. thoughts there? I would give the country a D, D as in David, the country as a whole in the administration that is just ending, I don't believe handled it well. And I can be very specific. They're, they've never, first of all, they've passed misinformation along, and that's been a problem. They've never taken what we know from science as the magnitude and the importance of the virus and, and, and the protective measures that can be done. They've never mobilized the protective equipment producing industry so that um, healthcare providers have the appropriate masks that they don't have to reuse and that they have the gowns and the gloves so that they can handle um, patients appropriately without risking their lives. I mean, for a long time, a quarter of the deaths were among healthcare providers. You know, states, it, the way things ended up being set up is that states had to compete with each other for getting access to um, protective equipment. Then on testing, it's been a... Um, state-by-state state process and within states, city-by-city city, as to the availability of test, testing. And uh, the, there needed to be a national plan at least to make sure tests were really available. But still, there are cities where it's hard to find a test without waiting on a four- or five-hour line. And that's not what you want to have when people are afraid they may have COVID. The lack of coordination has been a problem. The lack of taking the issue seriously. I mean, even now, the hospitals in many areas are full. There are no more beds. There's not enough staff to do what needs to be done. The message should be out there. Everybody needs to put on a mask right now. Because if for no other reason, then we can't afford any more cases to go to the hospital. There isn't going to be the treatment. There's not going to be the people to do it. There's not going we can't, we can't, and that means that, the, that people who have heart attacks can't get a bed in the hospital because they're full of COVID patients. So those are the kinds of things that needed to be done nationally. Now, granted, in, in my field, people talked about the possibility 
of some sort of organism that could have this kind of impact, but we never really imagined that it would happen like this. So the truth is people were caught off guard. That's no excuse anymore though. And there were people like Tony Fauci and there are others throughout the country who were knowledgeable and they knew that this could happen and may happen again. And the administration was not prepared. Now, when you get below the federal level, um, oh, and I'll say one more thing at the national level, this issue of not coming up with um, money to help people through this pandemic, whether it's individuals who've lost their jobs, whether it's businesses who've had to lay off people and they can't get people to go into their stores, they can't run their businesses, whether it's cities or states that have spent whatever they have and are running out of money and don't have money. We've got to get over this political stuff and get this moving again because the, there really is a problem with the depressed economy. I mean, I live in New Orleans. New Orleans thrives on tourism. We don't have tourists now. All the people who work in hospitality, are, they're not back, and they don't see any time soon that they're going to come back. And so it's a depressed industry. They can't apply for jobs as teachers because that's not what they know how to do. They know how to do what they do. And so there are no jobs available. So this is a real issue. I mean, it is, it's, it's very hard on people, and I understand that. And small businesses, and people have spent their life getting So again, there needs to be this real commitment to making funds available to help the country. It's not a handout. It's getting the country back on its feet. We spend a lot of money on things that are wasted. This won't be popular, but I'm always a believer. If we took one airplane and decided not to buy it, the next fighter jet, how much would that? How you know? How much money would be available? And you know, there are just things all over the place that we spend money doing, which right now we need a break on. We need to spend it on other things. That's my bully pulpit. Uh, with a statewide focus, it's been varied. So Louisiana has done a good job. I would give them a B, uh, the governor and the people at the Department of Health have really tried to keep a lid on the spread. They began the epidemic with a big surge, and New Orleans in particular was one of the centers early on. We lost a lot of, a lot of people. After that, they really worked to close things down, to put in public health measures, um, and treatment evolved and both on the state level and on the local level. We have a, a mayor, uh, Latoya Cantrell, who listens to science. And I sit every week on a public health advisory task force to the mayor. And, um, you know, they say, well, what does the data say? What are we seeing? What should we do? Should we, should we shut down more? Can we open the, can we open bars and restaurants or should we shut down more? Where, where are the numbers going? And now she has sent out a, um, an announcement about, so there are some devices that um, when you walk into a store would tell it, take, check your temperature. They would, if you had a temperature, they would also spray you with a disinfectant of some sort. And she said, and this is being used in some countries. She said, should she advocate for this? She said, let me ask the public health people to evaluate it. 
Let's find out what evidence there is that this is good. That's the right approach. Mm-hmm. And um, you can't make everybody happy because there are some people who say we should open everything up. But it's a problem. So the other thing that makes this very hard is so many people are, who have the virus are asymptomatic and they don't think they're sick. And they can still spread the virus even if they're feeling fine. And so they figure, well, why should I wear a mask? I'm 22 years old. I'm healthy. Why do I need to wear a mask? I have no symptoms, not knowing that they're infected. And that's been a problem. And so I do think that um, there's an education piece that needs to be worked on. And that's one thing that states and the country can do better, is really get the message out there that, um, you know, if you get in a car accident, you're not going to be able to go to the hospital because there are no beds there. You're spreading it to your mother and your grandmother and your older sister and your aunt, and that's problematic. I just read an article that um, COVID may have an effect on sperm motility. This will get people, you know? <laughs> I saw that too. I was like, uh-oh, we're going to have yes. everybody wearing the mask. And the, right. Those who right. identify as masks. And so yeah. if that turns out to be the case, then um, we, you know, It's a big deal no matter what your age is. And, um, you know, it's, uh, we're all fine until we're not, or until we lose someone. I had a student, I have a student who um, probably 26, has two kids, two weeks. She couldn't come in because both her kids and her husband had COVID. She had, she started to get COVID, but was doing okay. She's already lost two relatives, an aunt and a grandmother to COVID. And it's like, you know, it's hitting people who are not, you know, who are not old. And we've got to take care, you know, we've got to do better. We've got to do better. So I think I think the country didn't do very well. I think the states have done a very job depending upon who the people are who are making the decisions. Um, And um, there are plenty of states where the numbers are still rising. I mean, every state is in a bad way right now. About Mm -hmm. 20 states are really in a bad way. And and I'm talking about not only rising rates, but full hospital beds. And so there's just a variation in how things are being handled. Yeah, absolutely. Um, last topic I think we'll talk touch on is uh, you mentioned a bit about the vaccines that are out. You know, we have the Moderna the, that's coming out. If it, I can't recall whether, I think the FDA has approved it. The CDC still has to go through their approval process. They have the Pfizer. Um, there may be one or two more coming out that I, I haven't kept us in the loop on. What are some of the challenges you're foreseeing with um, let's let's maybe focus on the Pfizer and the Moderna. Those are the two main ones kind of on the radar right now. What are some of the challenges you foresee with that? And uh, does that also include, um, we had, I had Dr. Uh, Sabrina Bent, who's an anesthesiologist, was working in uh, the New Jersey area at the time of uh, their kind of big surge in April. And um, <clears throat> so she's been following the virus. And one of the things that she gave her some pause as some of the diversity within the um, the uh, trials leading up to some of these vaccines uh, or lack thereof. And, and I don't know if you have any thoughts or comments on that from, from a researcher perspective. Well, 
the pandemic, or at least in this country, has um, more adversely hit African-American and Hispanic communities than white non-Hispanic communities. And in terms of death, that's really where we see a big difference. And so the trials did not purposely exclude anybody for sure. It's a question of who volunteered to be in them. And who volunteered didn't necessarily match the population at greatest risk. So that's a problem. But we don't have any reason to suspect that the vaccine would be differentially effective among those groups. That being said, there's a historic distrust of the medical establishment among minority communities. In some sense, that's related to things like the Tuskegee studies, um, where uh, black men were um, deliberately infected. Um, I believe it was with syphilis and not told about it and, um, and not treated. And so there is a historical basis, but even still, there are more recent events of feeling like um, we're just not treated well by the medical establishment. The, there are also populations that have been fighting vaccines for a long time. They don't want the flu vaccine. They don't, you know, if it weren't required for the kids to get vaccinated as children for some diseases, they wouldn't agree to that because some some vaccinations, well, some, some vaccinations have clear side effects. Most have very minor side effects, but there are groups that, that um, talk about all kinds of side effects of all vaccines, most of which they're, they're putting out is not true. Um, what we know about these two vaccines is there are side effects like a sore arm um, lasting for five or six hours, which can happen with a flu shot. There are some people get side effects of um, aches, headaches, aches and pains. Those are gone within a day. Um, it's much like people, some people have reactions to the flu vaccine. I remember having a reaction and I swore I would never take a flu vaccine again. My doctor said, what are you, crazy? You know? <laughs> and I said, well, yeah, I guess so. Anyway, um, so, um, but the challenges are, for the Pfizer vaccine in particular, got to keep it really cold and got to be in places where I can keep it very cold and make sure that the person will come back for the second dose 21 days later because we need both doses. Um, you, you do get some immunity from the first, but it's not a complete immunity. And so you've got to come back for that second. And um, certainly people who are worried about it will come back. It's the other group who are going to feel, ah, you know, my arm hurt for the day. I, you know, I'll skip the second dose. The other thing is people need to be aware that there's a, while we have started the process of vac vaccination, um, the vaccines are being given out in priority order. And so for people who are who treat COVID patients or who clean COVID patients' rooms or who have anything to do with COVID patients, they're going to be in that first group 1A. And those people should, 
probably be able to get their vaccines within the next week, their first dose, if they hadn't started getting them already, because there are shipments to every state. The second group, and some states are including residents of nursing homes in that group, mm-hmm. and some states are not, and those people fall into the next group. The next group are other healthcare providers, other people who might be coming into contact with COVID patients on a regular basis, um, people in congregate settings like nursing homes if they weren't included earlier. Some states are including teachers in that group, um, but there is a priority order. Uh, also, older pe- people over age 65 who have certain comorbid conditions like being obese, having um, having other chronic diseases. Uh, interestingly, hypertension, high blood pressure alone doesn't seem to put you into that high-risk group, even though a lot of the cases have had high, hypertension. I think we just have too many people who have high blood pressure to get them all. Anyway, mm-hmm. oh, between January and March, I... I expect, especially with the Moderna coming and whatever else comes next, I expect that a good percentage of the country ought to be able to get their first dose. By summer, everybody ought to be able to get first and second dose. And so part of it is staying alert. And when you have an opportunity to get the vaccine, get it. Uh, Generally, people can get in touch with their health department or even get in touch with their provider and ask when it's going to be available because everybody, all the people who have access to it know and all the, every, every health department knows when it's going to be available in their area already. And in terms of, of severe side effects, very few. I mean, in the United Kingdom, there were, I think, only two severe side effects of all the people that have been vaccinated. And those people were fine, but they needed some medical attention. They had um, very strong allergic reactions to the vaccine. Um, Now, there is still a challenge of what to do about women who are pregnant. We don't know that answer yet. Um, That's something that that individual, that women should just speak to their healthcare provider about and see what their healthcare provider recommends. Um, For children, we believe that children will do very well because they have a stronger immune system and should be able to handle the vaccine. There's no reason inherently that they shouldn't be able to handle it, but we just don't know that answer at this point. Okay. That's awesome. No, I was taking a couple of notes if you were okay. wondering the typity clickety clacks were. Um, awesome. I think that's really good information for folks. Um, that we don't always get to hear in a long form like this. So, so thank you for that. Any other thoughts um, as we wrap up? Again, it's the holiday time. Certainly you should enjoy and celebrate the holidays. It's been a tough year. We all know that. And for some people, the holidays are going to be tough because they've lost someone in addition to everything else. But try to celebrate. Try, try, to, try to take a step back and say, here I am. Let's see how we can get through this together. Protect your health and protect everybody's health by wearing a mask. Try not to hug people. Try not to kiss people unless it's somebody who you've been kissing all along. And then it's okay. You know, try to limit your contact with people in closed rooms. If you go in a car and there are people, like I took a, a, 
in Uber the other day. And the, taxi, the Uber driver rolled down the window. That's right. You need that ventilation. Ventilation is really important because it circulates the air. So if you're in a house, even if it's cold, try to have some ventilation so there's exchange of air. Um, so there are some things that you can do that will make it a much safer holiday for you. And we expect to see, you know, I'd love to see this, uh, this turnaround as quickly as possible. And there's hope for the first time. There's hope out there. Stay safe, everybody. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Trepito. Okay, thank you. I really enjoyed it. Thanks again to Dr. Trepito. Lots of really great, helpful information. It's nice to get some distillation of uh, some of the research and the information that's out there about what we know now about the COVID disease. So thank you all for listening. Once again, share this podcast, share especially this mini series um, with your friends and family. Many people have questions about COVID-19. This will hopefully answer some of them um, and help to um, inform us all. So please share this on all your platforms. You can find us easily if you go to thevictorypodcast.com and visit the Where to Listen page. And there you can find us across all the different podcast platforms where we exist. So another way you can support the Victory Podcast, in addition to listening and sharing, you can join our Patreon, which you can also find on thevictorypodcast.com on the Patreon and merch page. Join the Patreon and that'll give you early access to content, as well as exclusive content. Um, there'll be some live events, all kinds of great stuff. So join the Patreon at the various Patreon levels. Additionally, you can also buy merchandise, our t-shirts, things of that nature. Uh, lots of good um, knickknacks for you and your family, especially during this holiday season. I encourage everyone to continue to stay safe, wear your masks, wash your hands, avoid touching your face, um, and do what it takes so that we can beat this thing together. I'll end this episode like I do every episode. Every problem has a solution. It's whether you're willing to do the work to find it. Let's do the work and be victorious.